Thank you, Cliff. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be in Mark chapter 10, continuing our series through the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46 and going through the end of that chapter, verse 52. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I have heard somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, that when you lose one of your senses, the other senses heighten to be able to make up for that lost sense. They can't do that fully or totally, but your hearing would be improved if you were a blind man. Your sense of touch may be improved also, supposedly. I don't know if that's actually true. Uh, But it's the basis for the superpowers of Marvel Comics' Daredevil, the blind superhero. Matt Murdock was a young man who was walking home one day and saw a truck filled with radioactive waste barreling down the street toward, you guessed it, a blind man who obviously could not see it coming. Young Matt ran over, pushed the blind man out of the way, and as the truck swerved to miss them both, the radioactive waste spilled directly into Matt Murdock's eyes, causing him to be blind. But, because it was radioactive waste, also giving him incredible superpowers— He lost his sight, but all of his other senses had been heightened to the point that he was incredible. He can't see, but he has almost like a sonar to where the sounds create an environment around him that he can almost see. And he's a superhero, though he's blind. Matt Murdock, Daredevil, though he is blind, sees better than you or me. In our text today... Bartimaeus is a blind beggar. He can't see. But what he actually sees, what he perceives in this text, in this story, is way more than anyone else that we see in the text, much more than the crowds. When Jesus restores Bartimaeus' sight, we can glean four insights from that healing, four things that we can see from the healing of Bartimaeus. First of all, we should see that Jesus can help. Look at the first first two verses. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. If this story were about anyone other than Jesus, it would have been one fairly boring sentence. Jesus went through Jericho and continued on to Jerusalem. Apart from the intervention of Jesus, we would never know who Bartimaeus was. We'd have no reason to. There was a large crowd with many people following Jesus and his disciples. We don't get any of their names. 
Jesus may have even spoken to them along the way. He may have known who they were. There may have been some important people in that crowd. Even just by the sheer numbers of the crowd, there is no reason for Jesus to ever interact with any particular person, much less Bartimaeus, out of a crowd of that many. Especially because Bartimaeus is essentially a nobody. We are only told his name once in this story, in the text of Mark. Every other time he's referred to, Mark calls him either him or the blind man. He's not an important person. His name does not matter. He's functionally nameless in the text, especially considering that in Aramaic, Bar means son. So he's Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Bar, son of Timaeus. He's son of Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. Who he is doesn't matter. He's given a redundant name really as a placeholder because he didn't have any other title that mattered. There was no reason to have both of those things back to back. It's like saying Bozo the Clown. Once you say Bozo, we know Clown. There's no point in saying Clown. What else would you be? There's no Bozo the Dentist. He's son of Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. Mark's showing us that he absolutely does not matter to anyone else in this story but Jesus. And that would be true even if Bartimaeus were part of the crowd that were following Jesus around. If he were just a normal man without the handicap of his blindness, we still wouldn't expect to take notice of him. But he is blind. He's protected by some degree by the Old Testament law, but he is ultimately an outcast of society. He's completely unable to care for his own needs. He does not matter to them. And so he has to beg. Just like today, it was common for beggars to position themselves by a busy road and to plead for whatever the kindness of strangers might be able to give them. He had no status, no skills, no abilities, no money, no name, no title. He was a nobody. To everyone in the text, to everyone who passed by, and so he was in the way. He was just sitting by the roadside. You've got to think, a crowd is the one that was, as large as the one that was following Jesus. You've got to assume there were probably people stepping over him to get where they were going. At least walking around him. We don't know his age. We don't know how long he had been blind. We don't know what his life looked like before this day. But we know in this moment, in this text, at this time, he didn't matter to anyone but Jesus. But Bartimaeus knew something that no one else in the crowd seemed to recognize. He was able to see something that they weren't able to see. He saw and knew that Jesus could help. Look at verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Where this crowd began for Bartimaeus, a prime opportunity to make his day's worth of money. Large crowd of people, surely somebody's going to be generous. Somebody else sees somebody else giving him some money, maybe they might do it. He sees a crowd, he thinks, great, I'll be able to eat tonight. But then, at some point, eventually, he heard a name as the crowd was passing by. He heard the name and people talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And that had to have been a name that he had heard before. Other people must have encountered him and talked about Jesus in front of Bartimaeus. Maybe they talked about how he had fed the 5,000. Maybe about how he had been teaching them with authority, not like the scribes or the Pharisees. 
probably talked about his numerous healings, how he had healed the lame, the paralyzed, the demon-possessed, the sick, how he had even been able to restore the sight of a blind man. So then, when Bartimaeus hears the name of Jesus, as the crowd is passing through, as he is among the crowd, he hears it as if Jesus is actually there. They're talking about Jesus like he's present. He knows that this isn't just a crowd that's making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. This is a crowd that's following Jesus on the way to the Passover. And so Bartimaeus has the idea. This is his shot. This is his one chance. It's a large crowd. There's probably a lot of noise going on. Jesus, we read last week, but Bartimaeus would probably know. He's in out front. He's leading the way. By the time Bartimaeus figures out that the crowd is following Jesus, who knows how far ahead of him Jesus has already gotten. The crowd had to exist, pass through. He had to hear the name, have the thought, and figure it out. Jesus may be way out in front by this point. But Bartimaeus knows that this Jesus guy is his only chance. He's got one shot at this. And with every passing second of hesitation, Jesus gets farther away. He's less likely to hear him. There's more people in between him and Jesus. Jesus is farther from him. He doesn't even know if he has the voice to be able to do it. He doesn't even actually know if Jesus is there. He didn't see him. He's blind. So Bartimaeus gives everything he's got. He knows if he's going to do this, he's got to yell. He's got to take a deep breath. And with all of his inhibitions gone... Because he knows if I'm going to see, I've got to do this. He goes, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He gives it everything he's got. Because without giving it everything he's got, he's not going to see. Jesus won't hear him. Jesus will never be able to come back and actually be able to heal him. But he knows that Jesus can help. That Jesus is the only one who can help. You've got to see that Bartimaeus saw and knew Jesus can help. He can heal. That's who he is. That's what he does. And because of his knowledge of that, Bartimaeus also saw that Jesus was worthy of perseverance. It's the second insight from this text that we should see. That Jesus is worth your perseverance. Because Bartimaeus cried aloud, but see in verse 47, it says he began to cry out and say. He didn't just do it once. He didn't just give it all he had that one time. Ah, guess it didn't work. Pack it in. I guess I'll just be blind. He kept going over and over as loud as he could, as often as he could, as fast as he could. Nothing else getting in his way. He kept yelling over and over and over. He wasn't even deterred, even though the crowd thought that he was wrong. They rebuked him, verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Crowd comes up and says, Bartimaeus, would you just stop? He's already so far gone, man. He can't hear you. Why would he stop for you anyway? He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's doing things. He's got this huge crowd of people following him. You think he's going to stop what he's doing for one second to come back and talk to you? You're annoying everyone. Please, just let it go. They rebuked him. They thought he was wrong. They thought he was too loud. Like some of you, probably about a minute and a half ago, thought that I was too loud. This screaming blind guy is really inconveniencing that entire crowd. 
he shouldn't be bothering Jesus at all, much less be bothering him this loudly to where everybody else has to also deal with that. But Bartimaeus had counted the cost. See how he responded to their rebukes. He cried out, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out even louder if he could. He didn't stop because he was loud. He didn't stop because they didn't like how his pursuit of Jesus looked to them or how he was making them feel. He said, no, 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 Jesus is my only chance. He's got to hear me, so I have to yell. So you know what? How about you guys be quiet so he can hear me a little bit better? How about you get out of the way? How about you go get him for me? He wouldn't stop. He kept going in spite of their rebuke, in spite of the way that they were thinking about how he was looking in front of them. You see, sometimes when we are actually pursuing Jesus, not when we're doing what we think we're supposed to do, not when we just kind of show up every once in a while, check the box, we showed up on a Sunday morning, we left, we may have given our money, we were smiling, we were nodding, we sang just loud enough that somebody next to you might possibly be able to hear you, but not so loud that anybody else would actually be able to know that you're actually worshiping in that moment. Paying attention just enough that people know we're not asleep, but not so much that we actually, you know, listen. Not when we're doing those things, but when we are actually pursuing Jesus with everything we've got. Persevering to press on to see him with everything that is within us. It might make someone else uncomfortable. It might make the people around us feel like we are in their way. It might be inconvenient for them. Waking up an extra 30 minutes earlier every day to make sure you read your Bible and you pray before you do anything else, that's not easy. It's not convenient. It's not going to make everyone else comfortable. Committing to not only join a church and show up every once in a while, but to be here every week. Committing to change your vacation plans to make sure that they don't conflict with Sunday mornings because this is where you have to be. That's not convenient. That's not easy. If you have to stand in your pew with tears running down your face, crying out about how deep the Father's love is for you and how you know you desperately need it during this time in which you are barely holding on. When you hear those words at the, at the beginning of the sermon or at the beginning of the service to all who are bruised and burnt and you know, oh, that's me, and you feel it, that's not going to make everyone else comfortable. It might make them feel like you are inconveniencing them. But the example of Bartimaeus is showing us that perseverance through the hard, the inconvenient, the discomforting facts of the Christian life, which follows Jesus to whatever end, that perseverance is worth it. I was reminded when I was reading this text of a quote by J. Gresham Machen. He wrote a book called Christianity and Liberalism, and It talks about how we can't settle for anything other than a true pursuit and presence of God. He says this, Were we not safer with a God of our own devising? Love and only love. A father and nothing else. One before whom we could stand in our own merit without fear? He who will may be satisfied with such a God. But we, God help us, sinful as we are, we would see Jehovah. Despairing, hoping, trembling, half-doubting, and half-believing, trusting all to Jesus, we venture into the presence of the very God, and in his presence we live. 
It's my hope today that you will see that pursuing Jesus is worth the perseverance. It's worth the inconvenient. It's worth the hard. It's worth something that might make the people around you uncomfortable. Because that's the only way you get to see Jehovah. It's the only way you get to understand who he is. To stand before him and in his presence have life. So we should see that perseverance is worth it. But we should also see that Jesus is calling us into his presence. He's calling us into his worship. That's the third insight from our text. We should see that Jesus is calling. Notice how Jesus reacted to this blind beggar who was causing such a ruckus in this crowd. Look at verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. He stopped what he was doing. He stopped leading the crowd. He stopped being out in front, and he called him. Jesus had been on his way to Jerusalem for three chapters now. He's leaving Jericho. That's the last city before you get to the Jerusalem metroplex is Jericho. We'll see him enter Jerusalem next week. It's like less than a day from the end of this text right now. He might have even been able to see up the hill to the city. It's all been building to this. The entire book of Mark is waiting for him to get to Jerusalem in the third year of his ministry to be able to go to the cross. All of reality, all of human history has been waiting for this moment. And he's right there and he stops. He hears blind Bartimaeus calling out for him and he stops. He cares enough about this blind nobody who's annoying the crowd Not only to stop the entire crowd, the whole production, everything comes to a halt because the guy at the front stopped walking. But then he calls for him. He doesn't just stop and say, what was that? Eh, whatever. Keep going. He stops. He says, bring him. Call him. Bring him to me. You see, Bartimaeus was not an inconvenience to Jesus. He wasn't in Jesus' way. He may have been a nameless nobody to everybody else in this text, but he was not a nameless nobody to Jesus. He wasn't a loud annoyance to the Son of God. He was why Jesus was there. He's why Jesus walked that way in that direction on that day. He was why Jesus stepped out of heaven and came here as the Son of God to live the perfect life that you couldn't live, to die the death you deserve to die, and to rise from the grave, giving you a victorious resurrection. That's why he came. And Bartimaeus is part of that. You see, Jesus wasn't stopping his mission and his work to deal with Bartimaeus. He wasn't a side mission. He wasn't something in the way, off to the side, distracting him from what he was supposed to be doing. Jesus, when he was healing Bartimaeus, was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was doing his mission. He was doing his work when he was doing this. Your mess. Whoever terrible it might be, however bad it might look, however inconvenient it might feel, when you bring it to Jesus, no matter how loud that is or how annoying it might be, it is not an obstacle in the way of what Jesus wants to do for you and in you. Your mess, when you bring it to Jesus, is actually the method through which he's going to do what he has planned for you and in you. That's how he works. He doesn't deal with our junk. He doesn't deal with our sin, our problems, so that he can move on to what he actually wants to be doing. They're not in his way. His love for his people is such that dealing with our junk is what he actually wants to be doing. 
saving and redeeming sinners, that is his plan to accomplish his purposes and to bring his glory to himself. And I think it's so easy for us to forget that, particularly in church. So often we we think that we come to God, he cleans us up, and then we've got to be perfect from there on. That he dealt with our junk that one time, but now we're on thin ice. And he's saying, don't mess up. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. I died for those other sins, but that one, that's one too many. We think that our mess gets in the way of what he has planned for us. And yes, our mess needs to be dealt with. Our mess took him to the cross. It was a bloody and terrible end, and our mess was worthy of that. But there was no other plan. Your mess was always a part of it. Your junk was always a part of what he was going to be doing. But so often, when we here in church hear all that, we act like that applies for everybody else but us. So often we act like, yes, we want visitors to come as long as your presence here doesn't mess with anything that already exists. As long as your presence here doesn't get in the way of anything that we might do here. As long as you, when you walk in the door, already kind of look like I do. We want people to come to faith. As long as once you come to faith, you immediately start acting perfectly like a Christian, you know, like like we do, right? Because we can deal with some sin, but not whatever that is. So often, we say that we want community and fellowship, and we do, as long as it doesn't mean that I might have to bear someone's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. As long as it doesn't mean that you have the right to call out the sin that you see in my life. We want everything to be clean and tidy, but we so often forget that the mess is where God tends to do his work in us. That's where he heals. That's where he redeems Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, which should be on the screen behind me, says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. You see, Where you end in those verses is where we want to be. We want to be secure, standing on the rock, singing praises to our God. We so often forget that you usually don't get to arrive upon the rock with your steps secure without first being redeemed from the pit of the miry bog of destruction. Without first being covered in the muck and the mire of the bog of your sin. That he cleans us from that, from the mess. That's how you get to the rock. You don't get to skip over the mess to get there. Jesus was not too busy to call Bartimaeus, and he is still not too busy to call you. He's still not too busy to stop and deal with your mess, with your sin, with your problems. And his calling, when he called him, it reaches to the heart. Verse 49, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. The calling of Jesus immediately began to heal Bartimaeus from the inside out. Jesus hadn't yet restored his sight, and yet he was already supposed to take heart. Just the calling was enough to lift his spirits, to give him the hope and the prayer that he needed. That's all that it took. 
the call was enough to warrant Bartimaeus changing his entire attitude, to warrant Bartimaeus beginning to act in light of the calling of Jesus. And that brings us to the fourth and final insight that we should get today from the example of Bartimaeus. We should see that we should follow Jesus, just like Bartimaeus did here in this text. Verse 50, And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. For a blind guy, Bartimaeus is way more spry than I would have been. The Son of God called Bartimaeus out of his brokenness, out of his pain, out of his suffering, and Bartimaeus responded to that, to that call with the gusto that it deserved. He didn't get up like they had just called his name at the doctor's office for his yearly physical. He got up like he won a raffle, like he had a golden ticket. He sprung up. He jumped up. He threw off the cloak. That cloak that he had was part coat, part bed, part collection bucket, and he threw it off. He said, I don't need that anymore. Jesus is calling. Who needs the cloak? He bounced off as many people as it took to get up to Jesus as a blind man making his way through a crowd. He was coming in full hope and full assurance before him. And when he got there, when Jesus asked Bartimaeus what he wanted, what are you shouting about? Why do you want my attention? Bartimaeus didn't beat around the bush. Look at verse 51. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus already knew Bartimaeus was blind. A blind man in this time doesn't walk up to you without you figuring out, okay, this guy can't see. Not to mention, you know, Jesus is omniscient. He knows everything. He already knew that when a healer like him asks a blind man what he wants, he's probably going to ask for a sight, right? Bartimaeus wasn't calling out because he wanted recipes. He knows, Jesus, he can heal me. I want my sight back. He asked Bartimaeus anyway. Bartimaeus didn't shy away from his largest problem. He didn't euphemize his issues. He didn't try to sugarcoat it before Jesus. He acknowledged his need to the only one who could fix his need. He saw his own brokenness, and rather than hiding it, rather than acting like it didn't exist, rather than thinking that he could handle it on his own, he brought it to Jesus. And when he did, Jesus healed him. Verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus healed him not on the basis of Bartimaeus' ability, not because of his potential, not because he had always been a really nice blind man, not even because he had yelled so loudly for so long that it was just more annoying to have him continue yelling than to actually heal him. Jesus healed him because of the faith that drove everything that Bartimaeus was doing in this text. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, was the one who was to come in the line of David to fix and to heal all that was broken. He believed, and so he acted. That belief was all it took for Jesus to call Bartimaeus, all it took for Jesus to extend his grace to this blind beggar, which would result in his sight being restored, that he might see and know the God who had healed him. Even though Bartimaeus didn't know the fullness of Jesus' perfect life, he didn't know the details of the substitutionary and atoning death that he was about to die when he got to Jerusalem. Much less did he know about the victorious resurrection and ascension that was going to be on the other side of that death. 
But he did still believe. He had faith that Jesus of Nazareth could heal and save. And that belief, that faith, was enough. That's all it took. Just that. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And when Bartimaeus was healed by Jesus, what he did is exactly what one who has been healed by Jesus is supposed to do. Exactly what each and every one of us is supposed to do. Look at the rest of verse 52. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And when he recovers his sight, which way does he go? Jesus' way. He follows Jesus as he does it. He says, go about your business, Bartimaeus. Go wherever it is that you're going. And Bartimaeus turns and immediately follows Jesus on the way. All right, yeah, I'll go where I'm supposed to be going. Uh, which direction are you going? Sounds good. I'll follow you. Whatever way you're going, that's the direction that I'm going. He was a blind beggar by the side of the road. He didn't have anything else to go back to. He didn't have a former life. It's not like he had a, a, a trade practice back home. He had to go back to the carpentry shop. He was sitting by the side of the road. He had nothing before Jesus showed up. There wasn't anything for him. But now that he has every opportunity in front of him, now that his entire life is opened up before him with every opportunity, every chance, every possibility, he recognizes that everything that he now has, everything he now enjoys, he owes to the one who healed him. He owes back to the one who saved him. So out of gratitude, out of thankfulness for what Jesus has done for him, he follows him. Wherever Jesus goes, that's where Bartimaeus goes. And that's exactly what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what it looks like to be a Christian. That's what it looks like to be healed and saved by the God of the universe. He heals you, he saves you, and then you say, all right, I'll go on my way wherever you do. Wherever you go. When we come to Christ in faith, when we hear the gospel, when we hear who Jesus is and what he's done for us, when we respond to that gospel by believing it's true not just theoretically, but true for you, for us. When we repent of our sin and turn away from it in light of that belief, when we go on our way from that moment forward, our way has changed. Wherever direction we were going is different. Now our way is Jesus' way. That's exactly what's supposed to happen when you become a Christian. Bartimaeus saw that and knew that, blind as he was. He knew, my way is yours. Your life, wherever you have for you, wherever you have for me, that's where I need to be. That's where I need to go. Bartimaeus, in this text, gives us a perfect example to follow in the Christian life. His story shows us and tells us that Jesus is the one who can help. Whatever your problem, whatever your sin, whatever your status... Jesus is the one to bring that to. His story tells us that Jesus is worth whatever perseverance we have to have. Whatever obstacles might be in our way, wherever trials, whatever suffering we might have to endure, getting Jesus at the end, that's worth it. 
The story of blind Bartimaeus tells us that Jesus is calling people into his worship and into his presence, even still today. He's still doing this. He's still stopping and calling. He's not too busy for us. We are not an inconvenience for the God of the universe. Us and our mess, us and our junk, us and our sin are why he came, why he lived, why he died, why he rose again to redeem his people out of his great love for them. Bartimaeus' story tells us that when you do come to Jesus, when you are healed by the God of the universe, who can and will heal you, you should follow him wherever he goes. That's what true faith looks like. That's what true conversion looks like. It looks like abandoning whatever you used to have, whatever you used to hold on to, in favor of the way of Jesus. And it's my hope that though you have eyes, today you'll see that. That though you hear it, you'll understand it. Though you'll perceive it. That you'll turn from your sin. You'll follow Jesus on the way, whatever way that may be. Whatever end that may lead you to. It's my hope that we'll see that today. And follow the example of Bartimaeus, following Jesus on the way. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for these truths in your text. Thank you for revealing yourself to Bartimaeus to give us an example, to us in your word that we might read it, see it, hear it, and know it today. Thank you for being willing, eager, ready to save, to heal, to restore, to redeem. Help us to know that that's who you are and what you do. Help us to see that whatever it might take for us to follow you, it's going to be worth it. Help us to follow you wherever you go, wherever you give us, wherever you have for us. Let us be obedient to that following, obedient to that calling. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.